Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good that you've braved all the closed roads to be with us on this Comrades morning. And uh, I know Lucius is running, and Craig is also running the Comrades today. So we've got two entries. Um, it's good to be with you and to continue this series through the book of Genesis. If you are visiting us, um, we are working through a book of Genesis, and this morning we're in Genesis 5. It's the, it's the passage that you would normally only preach through a series. Um, it's not the kind of thing, unless you have deeply studied it, um, that you just preach as a one-off. Unless, of course, you're preaching about a certain man uh, in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 5. But um, even before I start, I want to say to you that God, our God, our Father, is a beautifully gracious God. He's an exquisitely um, he's a perfect God. And uh, the trouble with us is when we meet God, we think, oh, just, you know, if you, like, um, I'm a bit embarrassed to raise my hands. Um, but I want to say to you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a loving God. He is a God that, that knows us intimately and He's forever rescuing us. Amen? He is a good God. He is a God that has always reached out to us. And I've learned it's taken me many, many years to understand the goodness and the consistency, time before to time beyond, he will be exactly the same. He's not moody. He's not um, all upset with us suddenly. He knows us. He knows us as sons and daughters. You know your children, amen? You love your children. You, 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 you take responsibility for your children. And God, in, in a most extraordinary way, has taken responsibility for us, amen? And he loves us and he's for us and he's forever helping and rescuing and refining us. And he's forever, um, sometimes he, he says, Nick, I want you to arise now. You know, I want you to, to stand up. I want you to go forward. I want you to lift up your hands to me. And so, yes, he will speak to us, but he's a good God. Eh? He's a merciful God. He's a God that's always saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here for you. And he's a faithful God. And um, one of the things we've decided at Red Point is to believe his word. Amen. Uh, the moment we start fiddling with his word, you should leave the church. Do not come back. The, the day we start saying, well, we don't know if that's exactly true, and we start manipulating the word according to the culture, you should leave the church. Go and find yourself a church in the greater Durban area that is consistently and perhaps with difficulty yielded to the word. Because sometimes the culture is going to say, how dare you say that? But we want to... We have decided as an eldership team that we will stick to the word. It may be uncomfortable. We may even lose people. They say, well, what about this aspect? What about that aspect? And so we're going to wrestle through the word. Amen. So won't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 5 in your Bibles or your phones or your iPads? No, those are like getting out. I don't know what you're on. But Genesis is massively important. It's the beginning of all things. And if you get the beginnings right, you'll get the ends right. One of the ways to think, imagine if we didn't have Genesis. So one of the ways to look, you know, well, Lord, I don't necessarily understand everything, but take Genesis out. So what, that's the, what the West has done, the clever West, the professors in Cambridge and Oxford and Yale and Berkeley University, what they've done is they've taken God out and they said, we'll tell you the origin of man. And so they just go back, 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 billions of years. And they say, and there was... This matter, well, the, 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 the Christian theologians say, where did the matter come from? No, no, no. And then they, they just, they, they blanket over another billion years. No, no, where did matter come from? 
The Bible tells us that in the beginning, God. And so what we do is we hold on to the book of Genesis. And so in Genesis chapter 5, there's almost a reset because Adam and Eve, who fell and sinned, which I think was a catastrophic sin. It wasn't just the mistakenly, well, just pluck the fruit from that tree, which we wouldn't mention. It was a catastrophic rebellion, I believe, personally. The Bible doesn't say that, but as I read the stories, I've asked God and thought about it in my walks and talking with God. I believe that actually it was an, it was an arch rebellion against God. I don't think it was like you know, a little kid saying, no, don't touch that. No, it was, it was, uh, it was anarchy against God. There must have been some serious discussions and toing and froing and God pleading with Adam and Eve, I believe. That's my belief because I've seen that actually the Spirit warns us. The Spirit is patient with us. Some other Spirit takes years and years. And so I would, have, I would imagine that what happened in Eden was catastrophic. They gave birth to Cain and Abel. They didn't die immediately, but decay set into their lives. We're going to die tomorrow. We're going to die. No, no, they, they, they lived for hundreds of years. Adam over 900, we don't know how long Eve lived. But they began to see the decay. And so when this beautiful, this Cain was born, they thought, well, he's the redeemer, he's the sent one, he's the God man. Only to find that Abel is also born soon thereafter, and then Cain kills Abel. So in a sense, and then Cain gets banished. So they effectively, they lose both sons, the one's been killed, the, the seemingly more godly one who's offering sacrifices gets killed by the one they thought was the redeemer. His name is Cain. And then God says, Cain, because of what you've done, I should kill you. You see, that's how grace, uh, gracious God is. That's how kind God is. Because Cain, who speaks with God, who's worshiping God, who gets angry with God and gets angry with his brother Abel, kills him. And what we would expect is that God would say, because you have spilt the blood of your brother and your brother's made in my image, I must kill you. Or Adam, you need to kill your son. But he doesn't. He just banishes him. So they effectively left childless. Genesis chapter 5. And there's this boy called Seth. He's born 130 years roughly. He comes, it's kind of Genesis 5 spans 1,656 years one chapter spans a millennia and a half. Isn't that amazing? There's the whole genealogy from Adam to Noah, and it's a, it's a, it's a long span because they have to hit reset. So they're going to start again with the line of Seth. It's interesting that's, that I believe what happened is Satan entered Cain. That's what I believe. Because God says, sin is crouching at your, door, at your door. If you do what's right, it'll be good with you. But if you do what's wrong, sin will have you. It will dominate you. It will overpower you. It will master you. And in a sense, Cain is mastered so much by the devil, the serpent, the one who crouches, that he kills his brother. Who else is like that in the Bible? Yes. Who? Deborah? Judas. You got close. The J was right. As soon as Judas, Judas was an apostle. Judas, Judas was amongst the 12. 
Judas was with Jesus. Judas was in the presence of the incarnate God. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. What you're about to do, do it quickly, Jesus said to him. And Judas went out to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard to discuss with them how, they may, with them how he may betray Jesus. We see just before I'm getting to chapter 5, in chapter 4, there's this guy, Lamech. He's the seventh from Adam. He's a guy that's, that this is the line of Cain. This is the, the line that said, we don't want to walk with God. This is the, 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 from the tribe of Cain, the offspring of Cain, that's saying, we have chosen not to walk with God. I know some people like that. I remember I met them. They said, listen, uh, you're a preacher, and because I'm a preacher, they often think, whoa, okay, like, what are you going to preach to me now? I'm not going to preach to you. You should be so lucky that I should preach to you. I don't say that. One guy said, listen, don't preach to me. I said, I'm here to preach to you. But if you're in trouble, phone me and I'll preach to you. Um, They they said, we don't want to go with God. And God is so good to the line of Cain that he he blesses through Lamech three sons. Some of them are herdsmen and farmers. They're Bedouin people. They're incredibly uh, prolific with farming. Some of them are musicians, three sons and, and instruments. And so they're are gifted musicians, like you see what a huge part music and instruments play in the world today. And the third son is, uh, is an industrious, pioneer, pioneering, industrial entrepreneur. He heaves mines, he makes, he makes uh, metal things. And so actually through the line of Lamech from Cain, God is still gracious. And one of the things I, I wanted to say last week is... Um, they don't, they've, they've got enough. They don't want God. And um, we see today in the West, in the developed world, in the Nordic nations, they have so much, they say, we don't need God. Like Australian says, we're a lucky nation. We've got everything we need. Why, as Australian guy said, should we worship God? We have no need of God. We've got medicine. We've got money. Uh, we've got good education. And one of the things that when Jesus, uh, in, when, when, uh, Jesus speaks of a parable, he said, the kingdom of God is like a king or a father who prepared a banquet for his son and he said go and invite the invited guests and what did the guests say we've just bought a five yoke of oxen we're about to get married we're very prolific we're a fruitful people other one said I've bought a field I've got to go and do business what was the last one? Oh, the other last one said I've got a business to attend to and so God said okay you're not coming to me. same family as Lamech same spiritual DNA as Lamech. So in the midst of evil, in the midst of brokenness, God says, I've got to start again. Genesis chapter 5 verse 1. Can you turn there? This is the written account of Adam's line. Okay, so it starts again. When God created man, there he's starting again in Genesis chapter 5. He created man and made him in, in the likeness of God. So Adam was made in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. The first mention, which is tonight's talk about marriage, is the first time humans are mentioned, they're mentioned in their genders, male and female. We are messing with the gender now. Amen? We are gender fluid. Don't tell me that I'm a man. Don't tell me that I'm a woman. I'll decide what I am. As parents are saying, my child will decide what sex they are. We will give them kind of bluey pinky clothes we won't give them pink or blue what's if you mix blue and pink what do you get Katie? purple 
we got purple cots and and tell us what to do. <laughs> I tell you, God is so kind, eh? Just kids in wombs, just nah. You know the privilege of falling pregnant? The privilege of having kids? Hands off my body. God's heart is breaking. Heart is breaking. The gift, the gift of um, procreation. The gift of falling pregnant. The gift of producing a child. And we're touching it. God is patient. <laughs> man and female, when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. It could be called the book of generations of Adam, 1,656 years. The record of the godly descendants of Adam. Amazing, isn't it? God is interested in your name. He names them. We, I wouldn't have named, can you, do you know who the 10 guys in Genesis 5 are? There's 10 guys. Does anybody know them off by heart? Chris, do you know them? Francis probably does. Do you know that God knows you by name? You know, we forget names. Oh, whatever, who, whatever. Who's Lamech? Who's, who's Methuselah? Who's um, Jared? Oh, it doesn't matter. Who's Noah? Um, doesn't matter to me. Who's Enoch? God remembers your name. He's a God that loves names, doesn't he? Malachi 3.16 says, um, A scroll of remembrance was written in, the pre- in his presence, God's presence, concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. We'd leave names out. But your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So when you say, when you say Tulumbambo, I can't say your first name properly, Tuls. Letutula. Hey, Maud, that's a good name, eh? But when you said Tula, he got very noisy, eh, Maud? <laughs> big noise in the office. That's why his mother saying Tula, 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 but Tula was making a noise in the office. Letutula Mbambo is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Write it down. Write that name down. Henry Nicholas Hardy is my name, believe it or not. Don't call me Henry. My name's Nicholas. My, my, my family name's Henry. Amen. <laughs> Abraham. He's calling me. Leave your father's household. Samuel, Samuel. Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under your, the, the, that, that, what's the sycamore tree, fig tree, what tree was it? God knows you by name. He remembers your name. Cyrus, I'm the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. Peter, uh, what's it? Cephas, I'm going to change your name to Peter, is it? Whichever way it is. He knows us by name. So the story starts again. Cain has forgotten God. You see, what's interesting is people, I noticed this, been in the church 45 years. Some of the guys we got saved with, 
no longer profess the faith. Some of the guys that I got saved, in fact, the people that brought the gospel into our house in 348 St. Thomas Road, no longer declare the name. When Seth, sorry, when Cain went his way, God said, don't worry, I'm a faithful God. I promise through the seed of the woman, one will come to redeem his people, to crush the head of Satan. When, if I fall away, not when, if you fall away, if the pastor falls away, if the church closes down, what happens? God just starts again. God is faithful to continue, amen? That's why we don't look at man, we look at God. So God starts again. Seth now, Adam was made in God's likeness, but the Bible is beginning to hint to us that Seth was born in the likeness of Adam. So we are all have image of God, but yet we are also born in the likeness like Adam, but Adam fell. So Seth has come along, and the Bible says clearly that he's made in the likeness. He's like his dad. He's got problems. He's made in the image of God, but he's also made in his father's image. He has been he has the wonder of God's creation, but he is slightly disfigured because of Adam and Eve. He's made in Adam's likeness. The Bible is quite strong in that. Brothers and sisters, we will struggle with our humanity. We are all men, like Paul says, the things I long to do, I don't do. The things I want to do, the God side of me, I don't do. But the things that I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. But then he lands, he says, praise be to God that there is no condemnation for those that are on Christ Jesus. So that, that we know that at times, don't be surprised at your Adamic nature, at your fallen nature, amen. That's why I don't know sometimes that I'm proud or arrogant or dismissive or bombastic or a bully, or I desire things that God says, why do you desire that? And so at times we struggle with our fallenness or our brokenness, but there is enough of God inside of me to say, Lord, I see that thing in my member that I don't like. But I'm not going to keep feeding it, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to raise my hands to you. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to give me the God nature. And so we can go and discover that. And that's why you don't have to teach a kid to be naughty. You to teach your little two-year-old to be naughty. He knows how to be naughty. We said uh, one of our kids took or cut his jewelry and threw it down the toilet. Tiny thing like this. Grab the jewelry into the toilet. Where's the jewelry? I don't know. Where's mom's stuff? I don't know. Then he said, well, now come, I'll show you where it is. Come. There it is in the toilet. <laughs> Who put it there? Not me, the other one. <laughs> how, how did they get it there? I saw them throw it in. Of course, that was the guilty one. I'm just trying to preserve which one it was. <laughs> I said, so what should I do to, to your sibling that threw all the mom's precious jewelry into the toilet? You must get the wooden spoon and you must smack them. <laughs> I said, Cutty, is that your child? Because... You don't have to teach kids to be naughty. You have to teach them to be good. Teaching them to obey everything I've come on. I need to be taught on how to be a good husband. Amen? I need to be taught how to worship God. I need to be taught the ways of God. Well, through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Sin is... Not that I do wrong, sin, sin is separation from God. 
Because actually, I don't even know the wrong I'm doing sometimes. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 6. See, sin is when I go my own way. Yes, of course, sin is when I do wrong, when I murder, kill, steal, lie, cheat, dishonor my parents. But actually, sin is saying, listen, I'm going my own way. You can go your own way. Oh, until we meet him. Until we meet him. And so uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 5 verse 6. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enoch. Seth lived 807 years and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years and he died. So this is the third child. They estimate, some of the writings say Adam and Eve had 33 sons and 23 daughters. This is the third son born to him. It's a special son. This is the son that actually replaces Abel because he's a man that actually has a heart after God. Verse 9. When Enosh, which means man or person, Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Enosh lived 905 years and he died. The theologians, the writers say the most significant thing of Genesis chapter 5 is the words, and he died. And he died. One of the things that is a mystery to us, as I've shared many times from this pulpit, the thing that we don't quite understand is death. It's like, what happened there? You, even out of old age, we still think it just doesn't seem right. Why do trees live longer than us? Why are buildings outlive us? Why do, why, why do we die? It's Adam and Eve. I'm building somewhere. Verse 12, when Kenan had lived 70 years, which means acquire, he became the father of Mahalalel. Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Kenan lived 910 years and he died. Mahalalel, which means shining or bright or glowing or glorious, Lived 65 years. He's now having kids earlier. Became the father of Jared. He lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. And in all, he lived 895 years. I think he's the first guy that doesn't make 90 by five years. And he died. Verse 18, Jared had lived 162 years. So he waits quite a while. He becomes the father of Enoch. What's my title this morning? My title is a jewel in the genealogy. Are you, will you be a jewel in your genealogy? So when God looks down and looks at your family, he says, ah, I see that there's a jewel. I said to Cutty this morning, you are a jewel in your family. He's actually, if I look at your family, you to me are a jewel. You are one that loves God. You are one that serves God. You are one that when God looks at your family, he says, Jewel. Enoch, I believe, was a jewel in his family. So he gives, he fathers Enoch, this, this guy. And he lived 800 years, had other sons and daughters, and he lived 962 years, and he died. Enoch, verse 21 means trained or disciplined, lived 65 years, and he fathered Methuselah. 
And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch, strange, parenthesis, this is an interruption of the, of the very strict code of, or, or the order. After he lived 265 years, so, he so Enoch lives 365 years. In verse 24, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Something happens to Enoch when he gives birth to Methuselah. Is it Methuselah? When he gives birth to Methuselah, something seems to transpire in his life. Because he begins to call on the name of the Lord. And he begins to walk with God. So he's... He walks with God, this guy, for 300 years from the time his son is born. The Bible says he walks with God. Isn't that an amazing statement? What does that mean to you? What in your mind, how do you see that? And he was no more because God took him. I've walked with God maybe 45, 46, 47 years. And I think, Lord, this is like, this guy walked with God three hundred years. What does it mean to you if, if I say, or if you read in the scriptures, this man or this woman walked with God? He's the first man that doesn't die. He lived half the time of his contemporaries. To walk with God is a verb to means he communes with God. There's no law. There's Adam and Eve. There's a couple of um, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, there's Adam and Eve, and then this guy, and this guy for 300 years, he just walks with God. In other words, every step that God takes, as it were, metaphorically, this man Enoch walks with God. There's no law, there's no precepts, there's no regulation, there's no priest, there's no covenants, there's none of that, there's just this open heaven and quite a bit of family drama that goes on. Where's Enoch off to? He's gone for another walk with God. Enoch, where are you? Walking. He's a, he's a crazy guy, man. He's always walking with God. I was walking on the beach, long, low tide, a beach down there where Pedalski, and I saw this guy from a distance, and he was holding his hands up like this. And I thought, and I walked, it must have taken me five minutes to get to him. He didn't drop his arms once. I don't know which God he was worshiping, but I just thought, yo. Now, this guy can hold his hands up a long time. <laughs> Me and my hands are starting to wilt. Enoch walked with God. It was his lifestyle. It was the Hebrew word stresses. It was continuous. It was ongoing. Every step he took was with God. The main point that God was Enoch's first priority. You know what I love about this? There's no religion. There's not even church. But this guy just walks with God. Every step, every moment he's thinking about, he's got a revelation of God. His cousins, different line, they're city builders. They've got goods. They've got cattle. They've got businesses. They're busy, man. They've got weddings every weekend. This guy is saying, ah, I, just, I know somebody. This is, a, this is the exquisite one. At a heart after God. And God just takes him. What about Enoch's family? What about his wife? God says, I want him. I want this man. I'm going to take him to myself. 
Why is that? More is written about Enoch in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. He's the seventh in the generation from Adam to the line of Seth. Contrast, the other, the seventh in the generation of Cain is Lamech, a murderer. Two lines, the ones that, that look for God, the ones that walk with God, the ones that say, no, I'm going to go God's way, and those that doesn't. Methuselah, Lamech, sorry, a, guy, a young man injures him. So what does he do? He says, if God says, I will avenge Cain seven times, if anybody, I will avenge Cain seven times, if anyone touches him. Methuselah says, if somebody injures me, not even kills me, I will avenge him 70 times, seven times. In other words, he's saying, if you do me a little bit of injustice, I will do you a severe injustice. That's why it was introduced in the Bible, a tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye. If somebody steals a thousand rand from you, they must give you back a thousand rand, amen? If somebody knocks out your tooth, you can knock out their tooth. If somebody plucks out your eye, you can pluck out their eye, amen? It was like fair justice. This guy says, if he injures me, I will kill him. Look at what's happening in the world today. Look at the wars, brothers. Look at the rapes. Look at the smashing of the cities happening in 2022. There's somewhere there, there in the, in the Baltics. What do you call that place? Vengeance. He escapes the curse of death. He's the first guy that God says, bring him up to, towards me. He was saved even from the judgment of the flood. Noah was saved through the flood, but Enoch was taken. But what does that mean? He's speaking of eternal life. The Lord is showing us something that we will go to be with God. I know that the guys argue, no, he might have been eaten by a wolf or a fox or a jackal or a lion. Rubbish. The Bible says that he was taken up. Who else was taken up? Elijah, remember? Remember there was, there was a fire. And there were chariots of fire. Then there was a great whirlwind. And actually, Elisha saw Elijah taken up. Who else was taken up to heaven? Jesus. I've sometimes struggled with eternal life. I struggled, I've struggled. I thought, Lord, should surely when we die, we nothing, we blotto. I remember there was one older man saying to me, I want to tell you something. When you die, you go into the ground, you, you're obliterated. So that thing can, like a seed, like this devil gets into you. So maybe, maybe this is all a myth. But Enoch was taken up. Isn't that amazing? What does it mean? It doesn't mean to walk with God. doesn't mean to work with God. There is something beautiful about walking with God. Go for a walk. There's joy. There's ease. There's freedom. Amen. To walk by faith, not by sight. He couldn't see God, but he knew, he knew there was God around the prosperity gospel keeps on trying to tell you that God has blessed you by things. Cars, clothes, buildings. The prosperity gospel is a counterfeit gospel. It runs parallel. It takes all the Old Testament narratives and takes all the blessings and you think, yeah, it's there. But it's actually a counterfeit because or the kingdom now gospel, which is if God hasn't healed you, there's something wrong with your message or there's something wrong with your faith. That is rubbish. These men that were here are men of faith. It doesn't say that God did anything special for Enoch other than just whip him out. 
Kingdom now, prosperity. Gospel is a dangerous gospel. The line of Lamech where you're acquiring goods. Now some of you, God has blessed you. And I praise God for the blessing that some of us have. I said, Kati, I want to get home. I said, I love my home so much. Yesterday I went to the beach. I want to get home. I love my home. I love my home. So the blessings, brothers and sisters, can prevent you from doing what God has for you. If God blesses you with goods and livestock and businesses and money, love him even more. Amen? Serve him. Glorify God in your marriage, in your work, in your parenting. That's what it means to walk with God. Since we live by the Spirit, Genesis 5, 25, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Enoch is keeping in step. Who didn't want to walk with God in the Bible? His great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. Remember God came for a walk in the garden? Where was Adam? Hiding. I want to walk with God. In fact, he was, Adam and Eve were walking with the devil. <laughs> this okay, brothers and sisters? Can you see it? God is saying, I'm looking for a people to walk with. I've come in the cool of the day. Adam, where, where, where are you broken? You know when you say, you say to your, husband, your wife, your husband, let's go for a walk together and you hold hands. And you just, there is something about walking that God loves. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to walk in the cool of the day. He doesn't want you to hide, amen? God is looking for walking partners. <laughs> Will you be a walking partner? It's, it's not religious, brothers and sisters. It's free. It's free, man. It's beautiful. It's wherever you are. It's all the time where you're thinking and walking with God. So, so many notes here. God was not saying if you get as spiritual as Enoch, you'll get taken up to heaven. God is saying, I love to walk with man. Hello. <laughs> Two cannot walk together except they agree. We're going to talk about marriage tonight. Have, have we agreed on everything? Man, when we don't agree, it's not funny. Oh, Juana. I don't know this person. I don't know this woman I married. What's wrong with her? How can two walk together except they agree? Lord, I agree. I agree with you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You know, I've heard men can't say I love you to their wives. I've, I've spoken to people, their spouses never say, I love you. Look at my eyes. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Look away. Look at my eyes. I love you. How can you? I love you, Lord. It's probably the most repeated. I have two prayers. I call upon your name, and Lord, I love you. And also, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Lord, but I love you, Lord, and I know you love me because the Bible tells me so. You love me. Am I the perfect guy? Nah, nah, nah. There's problems with me, but I love you, Lord. I love my, my spouse. What a gift given. Sorry, I don't want to preach tonight's sermon. By faith, Enoch, Hebrews 11, chapter 5. By faith, so strong. By faith, he had this unseen. Faith is not what's seen. Faith is, what, is not what you see. It's what you hope for, okay? 
By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Well, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When we go away on holiday to our family in Mauritius, a lot of them are unsaved. And they think, are you guys still like crazy? When are you going to become like us? Don't you want another whiskey, Nick? Loosen up, bro. Hey, I can't. I found, I've discovered that pearl of great price. His name is the Lord. What's wrong with you guys? Why are you so grumpy? Why do you drink so much? Why are you arguing so much? I don't want what you have. I want him. I want him. I want to take my wife by the hand if I'm married. I want to walk. And if God would take her, God would take me. Let us continue our walk alone with him. Amen. He pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those that earnestly seek him. God is saying there's life beyond this present world. I love walking with you. Let's continue this walk in heaven. Those are the things I believe. I love you, Lord. Genesis 5.25, Methuselah. He had lived 187 years. Genesis 5.25. Became the father of Lamech. Different Lamech. Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 27, Methuselah lived 969 years. The longest guy that ever lived. This is the guy that outdid them all. And then he died. Also, he died. Lamech lived 182 years and he had a son. He named him Noah, the famous Builder of the ark. The guys replicated the ark in America exactly according to the scripture. You can see it if you want. Named him Noah, which means rest. He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord cursed. So, so, so Lamech begins to pray and says, God, help us. And so when the answer to prayer would come through a seed, often they would pray, Lord, they would pray, and then the prayer would be, they would say, ah, the Lord is going to help us through this boy, through this child, through the seed, amen? So that's what happens, and so he's saying this, this is too hard here on this earth, and so Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived triple seven years. He died, verse 32, after Noah's 500 years, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Methuselah means when he dies, so this is the name of Methuselah. When he dies, it will be sent. What does that mean? Methuselah, when he dies, when Methuselah dies, it will be sent. What will be sent? Francois? (laughs) What will be sent when Methuselah dies? Yes, that's right. When he dies, it shall be sent. His name was prophetic. When Methuselah dies, God's going to send judgment. Methuselah is the longest living man. What's the metaphoric picture? What's the picture? God is patient. He's waiting for people to repent. He's saying, I'm not going to take Methuselah. I'm going to give it another chance, another chance. And he waits and he waits. And when Methuselah dies, they say the year Methuselah dies, he's watching his grandson, Noah, Methuselah. Is that right? He's watching his grandson building the ark. And he's watching Enoch as a preacher of righteousness. Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Methuselah is saying, God help. 
Noah's saying, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. They're saying, whatever, 120 years, you keep building, nothing's going to happen. All these films from Hollywood, tsunamis, apocalypse now, all the sulfur, the, 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 the Hollywood is, is saying to us, apocalyptic ends, um, catastrophic Armageddon events are coming. We're saying, no, we're just going to keep on doing what we want to do. But the day will come when Methuselah will die and the judgment will come. Isn't that amazing? Moving quickly. This is quite a text, isn't it? All the stuff, this genealogies. I mean, I've I read so many commentaries. I've been soaking myself this weekend, just saying, Lord, what is it to walk with you? I want to walk with you, God. I want to know you, God. Why, why don't I believe Jesus is never coming back? Jesus won't come back. He'll come. He'll come back. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. When men began to increase in number on the earth, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God. This is one of the most complicated, most controversial passages of Scripture in the entire Bible, okay? The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. Who are the sons of God and who are the daughters of men? But we know that wickedness is increasing and judgment's coming. So the sons of God and the daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and they married any of them as they chose. <laughs> what is that about? Now listen, even the very clever people in this room don't know. Nobody knows. There is even the great biblical writers that, that have different opinions on this. As far as the east is from the west, so they differ. Things are not good. There's excess. There is perversion. There is extreme polygamy. There is just marriage. There's like this almost a sexual perversion. There's something going on that's like very, very dark. There's abuse. There's a free-for-all. There's misogyny. But the daughters of men are very beautiful. And the sons of God are going crazy. <laughs> the sons of God saw and they took. Same as Adam and Eve saw and took. Parallel this. A play on words there. Man choosing wives like they owned them. Choosing wives in an unrestrained way. They couldn't help themselves. Marry doesn't mean like a wedding ceremony with a tent and the pastor and flowers and confetti. It just means sleeping with and possessing. That's what it means. It doesn't mean this big ceremony like we have today. It's just, it's almost, it's an abuse. The sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Some say the sons of God are the daughters of Seth, the good ones. Those are the sons of God go across to the line of Cain because they're very beautiful and just begin to marry, which is what Israel would do with the Canaanite nations continued doing. That's one line of thoughts. Another line of thoughts there are, there are men possessed by devils, men possessed by evil spirits. I, won't, I don't have time to go into it. And the third say that they are demons themselves they are angelic fallen angelic beings that we see in some of the weird and dark art of today that have intercourse or sexual relationships with women so it's a very controversial and i'm not going to resolve it now if you're interested go and study it but study it with great caution and please don't land it in your preferred thing i think there is something personally there is something of of actually the sons of god 
Because you see, from Noah, everything gets destroyed. God can only find Noah, who has no daughters but three sons, and he saves them. The rest get obliterated. There was something chronic going on at the time. Then the Lord said in verse 3, my spirit will not, are you still breathing? You're right. Heavy, hey, serious. That's why, man, we run to Jesus. That's why I want to be a jewel in my genealogy. I'm saying, I don't care. I want to worship God. My grandmother, my mother, me, my children. I say, come on, guys, let's worship God. I don't know what's in our lineage. I think there's some dark stuff, but I want to be a jewel. I want to walk with God. I don't know about the Nephilim and all that, but I just want to worship God. Amen. The Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever. God is saying, I'm, I'm sick. I'm like, I'm tired. No, don't listen. I'm sick and tired. We say, God said, I can't contend, which means fight and argue with man all the time. But it must have been dark, guys. Dark, dark, dark. For he is mortal. His days will be 120 years old. He just puts an end. He just says, that's it, 120. Boom. The Nephilim were on the earth of those days. Who are the Nephilim? Those, the Nephilim are those crazy giants. Men of old, renowned, Okay. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and they had children by them. They were heroes of old, men of renown. We know that the Nephilim were in Numbers 13 as well, sons of Anak. So it's quite confusing, but they seem to be these giant people (laughs) with supernatural powers. Sometimes you see these huge warriors that just are are marauders. They just, they're these warriors that that take cities. They're vicious guys. You know, remember Israel said we're grasshoppers, so there's, there's a mystery there in that world which I'm not going to try and resolve, amen? And then verse 5, as I come to land, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. Brothers and sisters, that's driving us to the rock. All this is driving us to Jesus. Kitsch and I started watching a documentary last night, which I don't recommend. And we looked at this thing and thought, what depravity. That actually you put 250,000 people in a, in a music concert with no regulation it, and just alcohol, drugs, wine, woman, and song. It was debauched. And I was saying, God, I could be there. My flesh is drawn to that rubbish. It actually isn't because it's so disgusting. But, but actually, I want to run to you. Oh, and I leave my kid do what they want. It's okay. They're like just like drinking a lot. Tell your son to stop drinking, sir, because alcohol will catch him. Alcohol is an old snake. You think you're clever? It'll come bite you. Tell your children, come to church. Mothers and fathers that stop coming to church, you create a gap in the genealogy. People think, well, mom and dad didn't, so why do we? And they were such good people. My dad read his Bible every day, but he stopped fellowshipping with the saints. I don't understand that, brothers and sisters. And so, that I read this, the Lord saw a great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of his thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain, which means, can you imagine saying, I wish I had my children? Can you imagine saying, I am so grieved that I hadn't these kids. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we can't walk our own way. That's what this text is telling us. And so it's filled with wickedness. 
for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's why a lot of theologians said there was something so sinisterly demonic and dark in Genesis chapter 5. With these weird angels and weird spirits, and it goes into Job, etc. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put on the full armor of God. And so God, and it's going to get better next week. Help us, Lord. So the Lord said, I will, put, I will wipe mankind, mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth. Big statement. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I'm grieved that I have made man. But Noah found favor. I said this at the prayer meeting. Some, sometimes somebody walks into your church and they bring God with them. Sometimes somebody walks into your business and actually the business turns. Sometimes somebody comes into your life group and the whole life group changes. Sometimes somebody marries somebody in your family and that person that they marry brings the light of Christ into your family. Mystery. I think some churches have existed at times by one or two people that just call upon the name of the Lord. The church sometimes gets complicated. The pastors are tired. The deacons are miffed. I don't know what, 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 what? But somebody comes in and suddenly there's God. There's the presence of God and God stays and God waits. Enoch is a beautiful man. Will you be the jewel in your generation? Would you find favor with the Lord? Can I pray? Would you stand with me? <laughs> I think all I want to say is this in a lot of words. 2,800 words, my notes. You know what I want to say this morning? Beloved, don't worry about what happened yesterday, last week, last night. Lord, I want to walk with you. Take me by the hand, Lord. I don't understand some of the clever stuff in this book. Just take me by the hand and teach me to walk with you. That God loves to take his, his children by the hand. Like little Samuel, I was watching him. Little Samuel, baby steps. Hey, the father can see. And then a dunga there says, stairs, Samuel, you're going to fall over the edge. There's a big ugly dog there, Samuel. The Rottweiler, don't, don't go there, Samuel. Dad knows. Take him by the hand. Tools, you going to go up there? We take God by the hand. I say, Lord, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to be like Adam and Eve. I want to I walk with you. Can I pray? If you want prayer this morning, I'd love you to raise your hand with me. Every eye closed. Every eye closed. You want prayer this morning? You want prayer this morning? Yeah, just lift your hand. Sexual sins getting the better of you. Lift your hand with me. Madam, you're very discouraged. You, f you feel you're in darkness. Lift your hand with me. I could go on. Good on. You're angry. You're confused. Lift your hands. Perhaps you don't know Jesus.
this morning and you're saying, I, I want to know, I've done my own thing for long enough, I've walked my own way, please just lift your hand with me. Lift your hand. See the hands, Lord. See the hands. See the hands of your people. See the hands of your leaders. Take us by the hand, Lord. Won't you teach us to be like Enoch? We walk with you. We call upon your name only because we sing, Lord. Our door is Jesus. He's opened the door and he's brought us through. And therefore we can call upon your name. Make, I want to be a difference, Lord. I want to make the difference in my family, in my business, in my marriage, in my office, at my school, with my in-laws, with my outlaws. I want to, I want to make a difference. I, I ask you, Lord, I want to be like Enoch. I want to be like Enoch, God. I want to bring you joy, Lord. I want to come running to you when you walked into the cool of the garden. I don't want to hide from you, Lord, and cover my shame. I want to run to you and say, Lord, thank you that you've come to walk with us. You're looking for walking partners, God. Please walk with Red Point Church, Lord. And our members, we, we have nothing to give you other than our brokenness and our humanity and saying, Lord, here we are. Break the power of sin over our lives that's condemning us, Lord. Break it, break it, break it, break it. There's these powers and principalities, this, these Nephilim, these, this evil, Lord, that, that wants to come. to are going to explore darkness, God. Take it away from us, Lord. Cause us to run like Joseph, to flee. We ask you to take us by the hand, Lord, that we may be saved. Would you pray with me, church, for a minute? We call upon your name, God. We lift our voices to you. We, we ask you to help us, Lord. Won't you help us, God? Save us. Heal us. The Bible says we should ask you to help us and to heal us and to save us, to heal our bodies and our minds, Lord. Perhaps you have a wayward spirit that drifts from God. You, you, you want to go across to the other, to the other nations. You want, to, you want to go where you shouldn't go. Say, God, I have a, I'm a stray. I have a straying spirit, Lord. Deliver me from a spirit that strays away from you, Lord that's inquisitive and curious where I shouldn't be, Lord. Help us, Lord, as a church, Lord. Help the leaders of the church. It's not the straight and narrow. It's the wide open spaces of walking in the freedom of our God. And so come by your spirit, I ask, and fall upon your church. Love you, Lord.